Welcome to the Wing Chun Podcast, the Sifu's Stories, the place where the world's most renowned Sifus share their stories and insights. I am your host, Bogdan Brosho. We're here with Sifu Dwight Hennings. Uh, Sifu Hennings, please introduce yourself to the people um, listening and tell us a bit about your background, how you started out with uh, Wing Chun. Um, did you do any previous uh, martial arts before that? And uh, yeah, a bit about your story. Well, hello, Bogdan. Thank you for having me on. I'm addicted to Wing Chun. I'm looking forward to uh, this interview and actually looking forward to hearing the podcast and the feedback from people. Hopefully, we stimulate um, a continued dialogue. And uh, I like what you're doing here, trying to encourage and build community by stimulating dialogue just from, you know, most conversations start and most journeys start with a simple conversation. And that's how a lot of my, that's how my journey had begun with Wing Chun. Uh, and it was uh, feeling an absence in my life. I had started at a very early age as my father was a, uh, a highly ranked, uh, celebrated uh, contact fighter for many years. He learned under uh, Mr. Park Jong-soo, who was one of the handful of Koreans who had left uh, South Korea to propagate and teach ITF Taekwondo. Now, people are familiar with Taekwondo in this world today, there are two different branches over there, the ITF and the WTF. The WTF is a more popular branch of it, which we see in tournaments in the Olympics, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it has definitely its merits, it has definitely its its qualities, and but more popularly as it has been propagated, as it has been developed, it has its format has been more geared towards the tournament point system, mm-hmm. where you see the flagging, the judges, and such like that. And back then, uh, as a young man growing up with my dad, uh, and seeing a lot of that firsthand from uh, Master Park and a lot of the contemporaries uh, and black belts that he had reared and whom I'm still friends with today and who offer me inspiration and guidance. Right. Uh, the, their approach to training, the practical aspect of it, the, the self-discipline, the communal discipline, but also the sense of community with which everybody shared, uh, not just a sense of brotherhood, mm-hmm. but a sense of equality. And I'm, there was... Mr. Park being a Korean and coming to Canada, and particularly here in Toronto, Canada. Toronto, Canada is a very uh, ethnically diverse uh, city. Um, right. Statistically, probably the most ethnically diverse in the world. Mm-hmm. And in his community, uh, there were ethnically diverse people. He had everything, people who of Jamaican descent, African descent, uh, Hong Kong Chinese, my family being of Caribbean. Romanian. Uh, and and it just kind of grew from there and being witness with that with my journey and going forward uh, I, I was doing that Taekwondo with my dad for quite a few years but mm-hmm. it didn't seem to relate to me uh, I understood it I understood the practical aspect challenged me the, the self-discipline challenged me you know the communal aspect challenged me but it didn't relate to me and I'd be I'd, I'd evolved to become more of an individual sport athlete through mm-hmm. schooling uh, through elementary school and through high school, uh, I was a track athlete, 100, 200 meter, 400 meter relay, high jump, long jump, uh, as well as through my teen years, had become uh, a bit of an accomplished skateboarder as well, you know, doing amateur contests and a couple of magazine shoots and things like that. But it wasn't until my early 20s where I really started to notice and feel this absence in my life, and I just couldn't figure out what it was. But some of my friends have started to take interest in martial arts, and I remember kind of watching them and thinking, oh, that's interesting, that looks fun. Because my mind was still already conditioned to this very practical, straightforward, 
Right. If you're training, train hard. If you're going to practice something, make sure it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of attitude, and and I just didn't see anything else like that. And like I said, I, I found that just taekwondo wasn't for me. I didn't feel a connection with that. And I think was that reflect- was that kind of a mentality something that came natural to you? That's uh, seeking for practicality, or was it something that you learned growing up? Uh, it it was something that, both actually because it was something that I learned through those years of taekwondo, but also had learned. Uh, on my own life journey as a young adult and as a teenager, uh, in that I, I'm, I'm a very logical thinker. I'm a very practical thinker. Mm-hmm. And if I don't see something working, I want to explore why it's not working. And if I realize that it's not working because it's not practical, I'm not going to employ it. I find that in every aspect of my life, which is where it kind of brought me to a strange conversation. One night I was working uh, a music event and uh, we had shut down. We were shutting down the venue and I was chatting after hours with the other staff members and a good friend of mine at the time was a bartender at a venue that we were staging an event at. Right. And I said, you know, I really miss doing martial arts because some of the other guys, the security guys were kind of fooling around and horsing around. And I was kind of giggling because they were just being, you know, very silly and childish. I said, see, I miss that, but I also miss the discipline. Right. And she said, well, have you ever met Peter? And I said, I don't have no idea who this guy is. And she go, and so he introduced, she introduced me to this young man and uh, he said, do you like Bruce Lee? I said, no. <laughs> And he said, you serious? I said, no. And he said, well, you must be the only guaylo, guaylo meaning like white person in, in Chinese, right. who doesn't like Bruce Lee. And I said, well, why should I? He goes, because everybody likes Bruce Lee. He's a good fighter. I said, look, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, all I've ever seen of Bruce Lee is what I see on a screen. And I also grew up here in Canada. We used to get, because there's such a big Hong Kong Chinese community here, every Sunday they used to have on television Sunday morning called Kung Fu Theater. And he used to play the old 1970s and 80s. Right. Uh, films, you know, like uh, 36 Chambers of Shaolin, The Snake versus Crane, etc., etc. Uh, uh, you know, Five Fingers of Death, uh, Five Deadly Venoms, etc., and all of those films, right? So my perception was was very much understanding. Okay, these guys are great athletes. They're fantastic martial artists. But all I know it is is the choreography that I see on the screen. So he kind of looked said, okay, fine. Uh, what do you know about Wing Chun? I said, look, I've never heard of it in my life. And he says, well. Uh, why don't you come to my school and meet my dad? And I said, okay. Um, want to tell me something a little bit about your father? He says, ah, well, no, I'll let you meet him. And I said, okay, when I have the time. He goes, so in the meantime, you know, uh, just to get you up to speed, because my dad can be a little bit intense, uh, we'll do a little bit of training. I said, sure. So we started doing some training a little bit, and he started showing me some things. And I really liked his approach. I really liked that I could feel less, less trying to find the long way around things and finding the more direct approach to it and it wasn't just a linear approach it was just like i need to find my way here i need to find my way to control you i need to find my way to strike you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that really related to me yeah. and as somebody who became uh, in, uh an individual sport athlete especially in track and field i became a lean bodied person so i'm also a lean frame i'm, I'm about 80 kilogram uh, and through my earlier uh, adult years, you know, my early 20s, it was probably about 76 kilograms. Mm-hmm. So I started to realize by how he was sh- showing me that regardless of size and even being a tall person, I'm about 1.9 meter yeah. as well, which is six foot one, uh, that my frame, even though lean, could still handle a larger body. And I started to realize and said to myself, this is exactly what I need. But I was still a little bit skeptical. Because yeah. I felt sometimes like, okay, you're just you're letting me do this. You're letting me do this. So he said, okay, now it's time for you to come meet my father. So this is where I had the chance to meet my Sifu. My Sifu, Lawrence Lang Chise. 
And I wasn't aware again of, of much about Wing Chun or even Wong Sha Lung Wing Chun at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I walked into the class and I remember him looking at me and just saying, oh, uh, you're my son's friend. I said, that's correct. He goes, okay, you come in. I said, sure. So everybody kind of looked at me funny. I remember looking around the room and this room is filled with Hong Kong Chinese kids. And I was the only non-Chinese person in there thinking, oh, I'm actually very comfortable with this. I think I came to the right place. You know, uh, and then I introduced myself uh, to the other students and uh, Sifu immediately saw that I had an intensity and energy about me, that I understood what it took to train. And even though he kind of kept it very basic and he kept kind of testing me and testing me and testing me a little bit, and then he finally pulled me aside. And he said, what do you know about Wing Chun? I said, uh, only from what your son has shown me. And he says, well, I'm going to show you a little bit more. And he just simply demonstrated a few quick things about controlling me and using his punch. And he was able to strike me in such a way that I'd never been struck before in my life, where I, I'd felt a hit and he just simply hit my pectoral muscle. Right. And and the energy had just radiated through my body. And I continued to feel that for hours. And the next day I had this hematoma, this little swelling bruise in my shoulder. And I thought, I've never been hit like that before. It's one thing to be hit superficially, but I've never actually felt somebody channel the whole of their body uh, into their... feel it inside. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't just the internal, but I could feel his whole body coming through that punch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. felt his knuckles, but I felt his whole body. I tell it it to my students, and also I like to, um, for the people that are new to class, I like to show them this this punch. And I always make this analogy that Wing Chun punches are exactly like bullets because they go through. Yeah, well, I I I soon learned, and over my years of training with him, uh, my Sifu was uh, one of, Wong Sun Lung's first students. He'd begun training under oh, wow. Wong Sun Lung before Wong Sun Lung opened the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you talk to Si Sok Wan Kam Lung, he will immediately say, oh, my Si Hing, Lawrence. Uh, Dai Gao Lung, they used to call him Big Lung. Yeah. Uh, and the way that they trained back then when uh, Wong Sun Lung was still fighting was high energy, high power, high intensity. Mm-hmm. When they meant mm-hmm. to hit, they meant to hit to destroy things. Right. And to your point, uh, Sifu was said, and we, we continue to develop in, in that with my student group as well. Punching is like a bullet. A palm is a palm strike is like a bomb. Oh, that's a new analogy. You just gave me a new analogy. Thank you. Uh, because the <laughs> knuckles are a very small surface area. So when hitting, yes, yes they still ra- radiate energy and they penetrate and go through the target. Mm-hmm. But the palm is a larger surface area. So when you hit, it creates a larger impact zone, therefore creating more damage. Yes. And uh, over the years, I continue to train with him. Uh, it's I, I knew from that first class right away, but it was within the second class I'd gone to. I knew that not only have I found something that I reconnected with, I knew that I found my voice. I found my path and my place yeah, it's, uh, where I felt an absence in my life. I said, this is where I need to be, and I know that this will be my path for a long, long time. It's always like that. And um, as well, coming back to the, to the new students that I get uh, here in Bucharest, I always tell them, look, you get like a trial period because you feel it if it's the right thing. Like mm-hmm. in, in order to do martial arts and especially Wing Chun, you first have to fall in love. And I truly believe that. Or at least to find that it's it's your thing. It's yours. Sure. Right. Everybody pursues martial arts for different reasons. You know, at one point when I was much more intense about it and challenging and really mixing it up, you know, my whole attitude was, oh, don't practice it unless you're going to be this way, unless you're going to... <laughs> 
test people unless you're going to go match and etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know as we mature and as we calm with age a little bit and start to see the world outside from our own eyes mm. uh, i'm very much encouraged and i encourage a lot of people who come into my school amongst our student base i know that some people come in for self-challenge they want to challenge themselves and unlock their mental uh their mental and physical potential some people are genuinely passionate and and love each other you know mm -hmm. they they have very much found that same uh, connection with the system as it relates to their own life. Other people, it's a social thing. For some people, it's a casual and hobbyist interest, all of which I think are great reasons. Yeah. Because if it enriches your life, then it is the right thing for you. Regardless of what your pursuit is, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I, and I'm, uh, I'm fortunate to have matured from that perspective because now I look at some people who are very purist about it and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. To, you have to be okay with people finding their own path with it, whatever it may be, because if we are too closed door about it and too alienating, we deny the same experience and positive and life enriching experience that we enjoy to others Absolutely. and letting them have that opportunity to enrich their lives. I feel like Wing Chun is whatever you want it to be. If you want it, if you want it to be a system for you to develop um, genuine fighting skills and test your skills, it will be that for you. If you want it to be a system to enhance your life and to better prepare you for whatever you're doing, be it your career, relationships, and so on and so forth, it will do that for you. How has uh, Wing Chun contributed in your life so far? I definitely would not be the man I am today without it. Uh, the gifts of life, friendship, community on every level uh, from my Sifu and my brothers that I become very good friends with over the years. And my journey had begun 21 years ago. Uh, a lot of the relationships that I'd forged in that school have become blood bonds, uh, not only because we spilled each other's blood, uh, but because <laughs> we've become, we become blood brothers and, 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 and very much family. They, some of the friendships that I've made are, I, I can't even describe how close we've become. And even sometimes we are thousands of kilometers apart. Some of us have moved to the other side of the world. Uh, when we reconnect or whether by email, message, phone, or in person, even if we don't connect for months, mm -hmm. it is like we have never lost a connection at all. Uh, and with the opportunities that it has provided me through Sifu to be able to and through Wing Chun and particularly in my own journey, because after the school had retired, I wanted to continue my own journey. And upon his encouragement, uh, he said, you, you know, you, you're, you're doing really, really well. Um, you're at a point where like Wing Chun is very, if I can use an analogy, you know, your, your teacher is like a father in many ways in that he can impart values. He can impart morals. He can correct you to set you on the right path to think for yourself. But at some point you have to become your own man. Mm. And, as you become your own man, it's time to leave the house. And when you leave the house, it's time to find your own way, forge your own path, experience your own experiences, and make a name for yourself. How was uh, that as I for like you? To my how, students, how uh, was we that practice walk. Sorry, go ahead. How was that journey for you, uh, leaving the house? Uh, it it gave me a greater perspective of who I am as a practitioner. Uh, and how much more the system has to offer me. And more importantly, it only solidified my understanding that the learning curve and the learning process is never ending. You are always learning. Uh, you don't 
I, I said this in 2014 during the uh, Wong Chung Lung gathering in Hong Kong in my, in my presentation. I said, what's interesting is that we've come together all under the same banner of Wong Chung Lung Wing Chun to celebrate the seed and the roots of what has given us all our uh, this, this great gift of life and martial skill and martial arts and community. Mm -hmm. But of course, we have different branches of it. Some branches see things one way, another branch see another way, another branch sees it a different way. What's not important is how people see the differences, right? but that people see and recognize what the end result and ultimate practical application is going to be. That one person speaks English and another person speaks English is irrelevant about the accent they use, so long as the message is communicated clearly and articulately. And through diversity, we continue to enrich the opportunity to expand our learning and understanding and continue to evolve the system to maintain its relevancy as a practical system. Mm -hmm. uh, with everything, everything must evolve. Technology, sciences, society, and martial arts must evolve to maintain its relevancy and practical application. That's, and um... therefore, sorry if I may, if I may continue. Uh, and therefore, I said, you know, we're, we're often confronted with life, and life is actually a very simple choice. Uh, this is one of the lessons we learn from Wing Chun and martial arts as a whole. When approaching uh, an issue of difference with somebody, you have two choices. You have one hand, the choice of understanding, or you have the choice of conflict. Mm -hmm. Understanding is giving yourself the opportunity to say, I'm interested in your perspective. You may agree with 100%. You may agree with 10%. But even that 10% is something you can add to your life. And you're adding that much more to your life to enrich your perspective and say, I can understand. I want to apply that. I want to absorb that and see how that works for me. The other hand is conflict. And that conflict is just saying no. And one denies themselves the opportunity to say, to, one denies themselves the opportunity to continue to enrich their perspective learning and, and growth curve. And when one denies themselves that opportunity, they also deny the community around them that opportunity to learn and grow. And it's very, very important, especially as one becomes a teacher or a figurehead in their community, uh, to always maintain an open mind. It's okay to disagree. It's, it's healthy to disagree. But to disagree solely for the sake of saying that you're wrong is unhealthy. Disagree for the purpose of engaging in dialogue. And disagree to challenge your own knowledge not challenge what somebody else's message is. And I think that's what creates a healthy environment for our Wing Chun. And we see that with a lot of practitioners and figureheads in our community at large, is that there is healthy dialogue amongst the differences, mm -hmm. rather than combative dialogue to continue to create differences. Absolutely. I mentioned this in a video that before I was in this mentality that, you know, our lineage has all the answers and, um, you know, it doesn't matter what the question is, we have the answers. But... I feel so grateful and so happy that I'm out of that um, mind state. There is so much out there to learn. And um, I, I feel incredibly blessed to be able to do this uh, podcast with uh, because every time I find similarities in what I'm doing and also I'm learning so much, right? And I'm sure all the people who are listening to us uh, right now, um, they felt that to a certain extent. They see a lot of the things that, already do, that they're already doing and a lot of the things that they can add to their experience. Um, how do you feel the Wing Chun community is evolving as a whole? I think it's evolving very, very well. Um, but that's my perspective. I, I'm sure there are people who disagree and yeah. 
but I choose not to see. Like I said, it's a choice. You know, the conflict or the understanding. I choose to see the positive, and I, I yeah, focus yeah. and invest my energies in the positive, where people are nurturing and growing and cultivating good communities and forging good relationships. Um, where it continues to evolve is up to the next generation. It's up to it's up to instructors, coaches, teachers, sifus, whatever titles they they moniker themselves with to impart their experiences, not only their knowledge, but their experiences honestly in a very candid way mm -hmm. and encourage the community around them, whether they are students or peers, to not only live to their accomplishments or their reputation, or more importantly, through the accomplishments of the patriarch that was before us, mm -hmm. but that as every practitioner finds their own path they must realize themselves within that journey and forge their own qualities and level of practice and understanding and application of Wing you and I are different people me and the next person down the street myself and every student in my community is different we all have different body types we all have different athletic backgrounds and athletic performances we all have different mentalities we all have different physical capabilities we all have different physical limitations youth and age also dictates that as well there's also gender as well as age. That we are all diverse in that way gives us our own unique way of applying the system as it best works for us. I like to say to people when people ask, how would you define Wing Chun? Rather than just defining it solely as a system, I often say to people, it is something and it is a system that provides one the opportunity to empower one's self. It gives you the tools to be the best person that you can be as a fighter, as a practitioner, or just as a day-to-day -day person. The choice is yours as to how you cultivate that experience and how it reflects upon you to give you your own voice. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to look like me. What I would like to see when you practice or when anyone practices is to see that it works for you and that how it works is as practical, simple, direct, and efficient. I, I love that you, you mentioned that. I love that you see it as a um, way of empowering yourself and bringing you you're bringing yourself closer to that best version, right? Because um, something that we also do and, uh, you know, people watching, they probably know that I'm on this uh, journey of helping 1 million people unleash their power and heal themselves through Wing Chun. I know it sounds crazy. It scares the shit out of me. I don't know what I'm doing it, but it just feels good, right? So what we're doing here in Bucharest, we're combining personal development with that, with Wing Chun concepts and the fit is just perfect. And when I when I see that other people are also using Wing Chun in that way to empower their students and um, um, share, you know, I wouldn't say enlighten, but allow themselves to expand and to be themselves. I I, I don't know. I just feel very very happy. So. I think using the word enlightenment is is a very positive word to use. I think only because, and I, if I may understand or paraphrase, perhaps the perception that you're talking about is a lot of people perceive the use of the word enlightenment as a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. One can be enlightened without it being spiritual. Mm -hmm. Enlightenment solely, if you look at it from a simple definition, is self-realization, and you are realizing ourselves through the system and how we can apply ourselves in every aspect of our, of our lives. And that's a simple way of looking at it. From a fundamental aspect of it, it is also very, very important to understand that even as we empower those around us, in order to maintain the relevancy of Wing Chun as an art in today's fighting society, in the fighting arts as a whole, we must maintain 
the fighting aspect of it. We must challenge uh, the system and continue to train that system so that it does maintain a, high, a level of high fighting skill. It's not enough to rely on being able to thwart a guy at an ATM machine who wants your bank card and the cash. It's not enough to thwart uh, the guy at the, at the pub or the club who's had a few drinks and is giving you a hard time. In North America, and I'm sure that these numbers are also increasing around the world, but a large percentage of people in North America, both male and female, have some form of martial arts training within their system nowadays. Because martial arts is such a popular form, especially with millennials now, a lot of them have been put into martial arts program as children. And even if they have never maintained that practice into adulthood, the mentality is there and some techniques are there upon which they can throw something in order to offer you a physical challenge. But more importantly, because of the propagation and uh, and popularity of the UFC in fighting arts, we see more and more people on top of that who have pursued fighting arts. Mm -hmm. So we must dispel sometimes with the confidence of our own system and the quality and practical application and efficacy of our system and be a little bit more humble sometimes and realize we must maintain a fighting skill, not just pride in Wing Chun, but a pride in knowing and a humble pride in knowing that we're practicing to make sure that we're effective, diverse, and most importantly, and I like to use this word a lot when training, we have to be dynamic. Can you share a bit of, um, with us on how you do that? How do you keep your Wing Chun um, practical and relevant and um, um, effective? You know, Or how did you test yourself out, test out your skills in that sense? Uh, my initial journey uh, years ago, I'd begun testing myself uh, when going back to some of the clubs I was working at, some of the security guys used to have a little bit of a get together late at night and test each other. And we used to go uh, into someone's uh, studio space and then it became, uh, uh, it became a, what was it? It was like a closed door school kind of thing. A friend had a school down the way and it used to be this these guys who worked at this club would show up and other guys clubs show up and we kind of match up and start pairing up and then it started to evolve and got a little more serious mm. uh the contact got very intense uh it was mouth guard or gum guard whatever vernacular you want to use around the world uh and it was just bare knuckling it and it was testing and uh it got pretty serious and in turn i worked the clubs over years and worked some security and uh, like I said, being a lean frame, a lot of people would look at me and think, here's an easy guy for me to victimize and inflate my macho ego, well, you know, and that was a good test a lot of the time, so I didn't mind that. Uh, you know, four fake teeth later, a couple of broken noses, a few concussions, a few broken fingers, uh, you know, cracked leg, uh, several broken ligaments, uh, torn ligaments in the legs. Uh, you know, when you're fighting people who fight back, it truly tests uh, not just your Wing Chun, but who you are as a person and your resolve and whether or not you're going to persevere and overcome. And that's part of that fighting experience. You know, one thing we learn about fighting when you're actually fighting somebody who is a fighter too and fighting back uh, is that you will get hit. Yes. And you're going to hit, get hit hard. And you're not going to get just hit just once. Uh, you're going to get hit a few times. Yes. This expectation that because of a pride in one skill that you're just going to plow through and finish somebody off is a little naive and a little archaic. Uh, because that person has the same commitment to inflicting damage and taking you down as you do to them. And they both so have, part, they have two hands and two legs as well. Absolutely. Their, their commitment to hurt you is just the same as yours. And uh, we maintain that in our environment, but I continue, by, I continue to train a certain portion of my guys 
uh, with a high level of intensity. Uh, when we go out, you know, we push it very hard, but we have one day of the week where we designate um, to drilling, pad drilling, and sparring. And every year there's a full contact tournament. Some of my guys always go in. You know, in five years, I've entered five guys. We've walked out with three gold medals, one silver and a bronze. And we make sure that we're testing ourselves. It's an open invitational format where guys of all disciplines, we've seen Muay Thai guys come in, kickboxers come in, uh, other full contact guys come in. Mm -hmm. And uh, we make sure that we work it. But also, I like to, I've also complemented our training a little bit more with uh, a lot of the great, great resources that we have access to uh, in the 21st century. And again, this is a great part uh, of what has evolved over the last 20, 25 years, 30 years, and that's sports sciences. Mm -hmm. The sports sciences have become very commonplace and very accessible, and that's largely due in part as well to the internet. We have access to better understanding not just the impact of the punch and how the bodies work, but to be able to isolate the muscle networks and what is firing, how it's firing, how to make the mechanics of those motions much more efficient, how to realize how to translate those mechanics as they best suit the performance of an individual. And from there, once we've laid the foundation of those mechanics, how to evolve and make them dynamic. And through making them dynamic, how to make them as effective and powerful as possible, while at the same time being efficient, flexible. And uh, there are a lot of great resources in today's day and age that we can adapt into our Wing Chun, which continues, in my, in my perspective, to evolve Wing Chun. Uh, I like to use the analogy as well. Uh, you know, uh, if you eat red meat, do you only eat steak? You know, there's many, there's many ways to prepare that red meat. And Absolutely. it doesn't mean, but what's important is that the base ingredient is there. The mm. nutrition of that base ingredient is there. Mm. We don't want to remove the nutrition from that base ingredient, but it's okay to add things to it. Now, add things, I want to be very particular in saying this. Adding things doesn't mean completely converting it and flipping it into something else. Mm. It means evolving it so that it can adapt to a changing environment. The fighting game around us is changing. And to my point that I was making earlier about how in North America, a large percentage of people uh, practice martial arts, from my experiences in working in the clubs and working light life uh, and meeting people around the world, uh, as well as domestically, uh, you would be surprised at every kind of body type where you think, this guy can't be very good to so suddenly realize this guy's pretty good. He's a threat. He's going to do something about this. So, Absolutely. Your response cannot be arrogant. You should always expect the worst, but always expect the best from yourself. I really enjoyed the uh, analogy with uh, the red meat. Um, how? Tell us a bit about the S three Wing Chun. S three VT uh, is my own creation. Uh, it's been in existence now for eleven years. Oh, actually, twelve years now since two thousand and five. Um, it kind of um, evolved organically when my Sifu retired to school. I started teaching uh, classes with uh, my senior, my Siheng, and as well as traveling. I started I'd begun traveling around the world. I'd make the correspondence uh, or establish correspondence with David Peterson, uh, David Peterson in 2000, and we'd emailed back and forth. And I'd begun also traveling to the UK or Rendezvous and he was doing seminars there and do some training and learning. Mm -hmm. And uh, started bringing that experience back with me and also corresponding with other people and uh, teaching public classes with my Siheng. And I started to realize kind of my own path a little bit more, as I was saying earlier, about becoming my own man, leaving the house, making a name for myself. Right. Uh, and as I evolved S3VT, the S3 stands for System Science Skills, and it's a simple platform of evolution. Here's the system. 
Let's understand the science behind it, both physiological, biomechanical, mm -hmm. neurological, uh, geometric, the physics behind it, the sports science behind it, the fight science behind it, as well as the conceptual. Uh, and in that, evolving that through drilling, training, understanding, dialogue, pressure testing, and at the end result, developing the skills that come from it. So everything is an evolutionary thing. And I like to think of it as cyclical. As you develop the skills is a revisitation of the foundation. Mm -hmm. Everything that we're building is only building a, a better, better foundation. foundation. Yes. The more proficient we become, the more simple we become. Simple not meaning elementary, just less complicated. Yeah, yeah. I believe that as well, and I see it in my students as well. The, the, the more you grow, the better your uh, basics become, actually. Everything comes down to a punch. Yeah. You know, main, your first thought is punch, your last thought is punch, every thought in between should be punch. Now, that's to most people, you think, ah, oh, that sounds kind of simple. You can't just punch. No, no, it's a little bit more complex. I, I honestly hope you're documenting all of this stuff because it sounds like a very, very powerful legacy that you can leave uh, not only for your students, but also for the Wing Chun community as a whole. This kind uh, of understanding. Many of my peers around the world have encouraged me to, to, to be a little bit more uh, pronounced about it. I'm happy to continue to contribute uh, to the community around the world, especially you know, with what you're offering here. Any way that I can contribute is great. Like my Sifu, I kind of follow his example a little bit. I'm a little bit humble about it. Uh, and uh, I'm proud about it, but I'm a little bit humble about it. And I hope that if I put in quotations, quote unquote, legacy that I leave, is that I continue to contribute to a positive community of people, of friends, of peers, uh, and practitioners. Mm. Uh, and to me, that's that's what I want to share. That's what I want to continue to cultivate. I, it, Wing Chun is not about me. It's much bigger than me. It'll always be bigger than me. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm just honored and very blessed uh, to have a to have a role in that path and have a voice along that journey. I'm especially fortunate uh, to have the trust and confidence of the first generation peers um, and also my second generation uh, peers as a community leader, as a figurehead and as a coach. Uh, and we continue to exchange ideas. I look to them for guidance and advice and learning. Uh, they look to me in the same way. But we also look to engage each other in dialogue and we get together as often as we can when we travel, either I travel or they travel or however it works to continue to exchange ideas and test each other, pressure test each mm -hmm. other. And it's not pressure testing each other to exercise dominance over each other. It's trying to find a way. How, how, much, how much more can we push our potential and understanding in our system? That is so nice. That is so powerful. Uh, it makes me think of this story. I, I think it, I read it on... Um... In Sifu David Peterson's book, I'm not I'm not so sure. But when uh, Wong Sin Lung and Bruce Lee uh, met after a long, long time, Bruce Lee was already had already made a name for himself, and Bruce Lee was very keen on sparring with uh, with uh, Wong Sin Lung, and and uh, Wong Sin Lung said, "Yeah, if it's for if if it's to boost our egos, I don't want to do it. But if it's for understanding and growing each other." Yes, I'm open to uh, to that experience. So yeah, definitely. What is your? I, that, that's the first time I've heard that story. So that's kind of cool to hear that. I like that. Yeah, I don't remember what I where I uh, read it, but yeah. What is your your favorite Wing Chun related story that you can share with us? Oh wow! Uh, to pick just one. Okay. Uh, 
this was I'll share something that's it's it's a dear it's it's a very close and personal experience, um, and it, it is with my sifu. And it was one day after a class on a Sunday. We used to have our classes on Sundays from twelve to two p.m. And uh, I used to I, I I enjoyed his company so much, and I I wanted to continue to pick his brain after class. So I would always ask him every Sunday, sifu, do you want to go for lunch? No. See if you want to go for lunch? No. See if you want to go for lunch? Yeah, okay. So every once in a while, he would allow me to treat him for lunch. So we'd go to the local uh, uh, local restaurant, Chinese restaurant, and have a noodle soup. And this one day, you know, we walk in. He says, okay, let's go sit here. I said, okay, we sat down. And he was very, very quiet. We ordered, and he used to continue to be quiet. And he didn't say anything. You know, we I poured tea for us, and uh, the food had arrived. And he put the little chili sauce in his spoon, put it into his soup, put his utensils down, and looked at me and just very calmly and said, you have so much fire, why? And I didn't know what to say. I didn't know if I should answer that question. I didn't know if he was criticizing me. I didn't know if he was judging me. I didn't understand, but such... A simple configuration of two questions. You have so much fire. Why? I had to reflect on that. And this was within my first year. It was just after my first year mark or just the first year mark. And I was kind of stunned. I didn't know what to say. And we sat there quietly. No other words were spoken until the bill came. And I expected to pay. He says, no, no, I, I have this. I see you. I'll see you next week. I said, okay, thank you, Sifu. Doze. And uh, I reflected on that, and I continued to reflect on that. And those few simple words had resonated in me so deeply and made me reflect on myself that I not only began to understand why he asked me those questions, but those questions were a seed of better understanding because I was a very fiery young man. I had a lot of energy. Uh, I had a lot of intensity. And, you know, as a young, many young men uh, in our early 20s know, when you go through a phase where uh, you're a little bit arrogant, you're a little bit angry, you're a little bit pissed off at I the world. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and you're trying to find your place, you know, in this big world around you. And uh, I'd also brought a lot of that energy from uh, already a significantly athletic background. When I was training, I was always training very intensely and very, very hard. And uh, I understood now that that question was not meant to be answered that that question was challenging me to unlock and continue to explore and reflect on myself and who i could be who the best person as i could be and that fire that he was addressing wasn't a bad thing that fire was understanding are you controlling that fire or is the fire controlling you and uh, it changed my life that simple little question or it was actually two questions when you asked the why, but you know, uh, it, it it changed it changed my life, uh, and the one of the most important people in my life outside of my own family uh, was him, uh, and to this day, uh, every single thing that I enjoy in my life, I very much uh, celebrate from having that opportunity to have met him and trained under him, and to have him as a role model in my life as a father figure and i know that most people look at their sequels as that father figure 
uh, but it's particularly very, very dear to me. Yeah. And I was continue, and I continue to have and grow relationships from that where I had the opportunity where uh, when he had closed the school and retired for uh, to move on and to enjoy his life, uh, that I was encouraged, you know, continue to learn. And, and my, my travels took me, he says, oh, you want to learn more? He goes, go meet my, my junior, go meet uh, Sifu Gary. And I went, oh, okay. So I introduced myself to him and ended up uh, living with uh, Sifu Gary Lamb for a month. And my learning continued to expand. And I very much enjoyed that opportunity there because I saw both the esteemed high-skilled practitioners, but also saw um, very much enjoyed the young men that were inside them and how Wing Chun keeps you youthful and yeah. having fun and enjoying things and celebrating the community. And uh, also of having a very strong connection to uh, Chinese culture and community. My stepfather, uh, since I was nine years old, is, uh, is Hong Kong Chinese. I went to a high school in the city, which was predominantly Hong Kong Chinese. Wow. Uh, you know, my, my Wing Chun school is Hong Kong Chinese. Uh, I learned, uh, I'm very familiar with and comfortable, uh, and it's, it's almost like a first-hand culture, the Chinese culture, and I learned how to speak the language uh, in a conversational way. Uh, and so that helped me bridge that gap, and you know, uh, having that time with Gary, we, he opened my eyes and unlocked more of my potential. That is so cool. Uh, having that chance to travel uh, and meet with David uh, continued to open my eyes and unlock more of my potential. Uh, as I'd said earlier, by expanding my perspective and by, by expanding my perspective, I saw a broader horizon of who I could be. Uh, but it also made every step I took on that path much more secure. Um, and I continue to still enjoy that. You know, I've become, and through my travels uh, in 2013, you know, uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Young and Mark Wong and I had met in Australia and Melbourne, and we became great friends right off the bat. We're all amongst the same age. And we're, have the same intensity and same drive for testing and challenging ourselves and, and working hard with each other. Uh, and we became great friends over the years. And, that and those relationships uh, have grown uh, with uh, so many people that, uh, yeah, that uh, again, I've, I've now I've now created again, more of an extended family of true brothers, not just Kung Fu brothers, that, that friends I could say, you know what, I would, I would go to bat for you, uh, not only in fighting, uh, I don't mean it in that way, but you know, my trust, my respect for you, my the way that I cherish our relationships uh, is unconditional, and that, you know, I'll always, I'll always be a part of that, and they'll always be a part of me, and it's, it's such a great thing. That is just so powerful. I was talking last week with um, Sifu Jack Lung that actually introduced us and uh, made this uh, interview possible. Thank mm -hmm. you, Sifu Jack Lung. Yeah, thanks, Jack. <laughs> Uh, he was saying that, look, if it wasn't for Wing Chun, we wouldn't even ha be having this conversation. We wouldn't be even um, had the opportunity to, to get to know each other. And it's so powerful to have Wing Chun connecting people like that. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, yeah. not, only, it's not only about connecting a fist to a face. You know, It's about connecting uh, a mind to a mind and a heart to a heart and community to a community. And, and yeah. that's the greatest yeah. thing that it offers us. Yeah. That's more important than anything else, really. The way we described it in the last seminar that we um, uh, we conducted was that Wing Chun is like the path from my center to your center. Mm -hmm. right. uh, Sifu, Dwight, thank you so much. Uh, I, I enjoyed this. This was, I, I need to uh, admit, this was one of the deepest interviews that we've uh, had on Addicted to Wing Chun on um, the Sifu Stories podcast. 
and I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm sure everyone who's listening right now has um, has discovered a bit more profoundity to to the system, to what we're doing, and to the whole community as well. Oh, thank you for the, the opportunity. Thank you for reaching out, Bogdan. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. I really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope uh, and I know that with what you're doing with these podcasts, that you're stimulating dialogue, and more importantly, that it continues to uh, build community, and through that community, we continue to exchange and develop our community and our skill and our understanding, but most importantly, uh, you know, support for ourselves and each other. Absolutely. Before we finish up, can you give us some details about the following Wong Sun Long event? Uh, coming up this September, September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 2017, uh, we, are, we will be staging and presenting uh, the first Wong Sun Long Wing Chun event. Uh, we're calling it the Wong Sun Long Wing Chun North America 2017 event. And following up on some of the larger events that have happened over the years, the first one being staged in Malaysia in 2013 at Sifu uh, David Peterson School. Uh, and then the large, massive one in Hong Kong in 2014, we realized in our conversations from the, from that time while we were sitting around in Hong Kong, myself and Ray and Lam, who was Sifu Sisok Gary Lam's uh, son, that I think the next opportunity is in North America. Now, it was impossible for us to do anything that was anywhere nearly as large as what Hong Kong would be. And, of course, there's a significance to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is the seed. Hong Kong is the home of Wing Chun. Hong Kong is... Are, is the roots of Wong Sun Lung and Wong Sun Lung Wing Chun in the community of its origin. And as such, Wong Sun Lung Wing Chun has traveled around the world and grown uh, to be a very, uh, very strong community from every corner of the earth. But we realized that we haven't done something to highlight that we have such a rich community of Wong Sun Lung practitioners and a very strong community of schools of Wong Sun Lung Wing Chun in North America. Mm-hmm. So what we've done this year We've organized this event on September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. It's going to be a three-day workshop weekend where we're going to get an opportunity to have presenters as Sifu Wan Kam Leung presenting, wow. Sifu Mark Wong, nice. Sifu Gregory Lam, uh, Sifu Gregory LeBlanc. Oh, yeah. I, I love Greg. Yeah, Sifu William Kwok and myself. We will be presenting throughout the whole weekend and as well as interacting with everybody. Uh, part of this weekend will be the Friday meet and greet, hang out, get a little training in, exchange ideas, make new friends, build community. The next day we start off, the Saturday will be focused on all the first generation presenters. And as I said, there'll be Sifu Wang Kam Leung, Sifu Gary Lam, Sifu Mark Wong. Day two will be second generation, which will be Sifu Gregory LeBlanc, Sifu William Kwok, and myself. Uh, the Saturday evening we will have a large banquet dinner. Uh, and we're going to have some treats in store for everybody uh, who's going to be in attending. And as we discussed in this podcast already, uh, when Ray and Lam and I had discussed developing this and started executing it, and now it's actually, we're doing very, very well. We're almost sold out. So uh, we're limiting our attendance because we want to make sure that we can maintain an environment upon which there aren't too many people mm-hmm. and that everybody who's in attendance doesn't feel that they're just part of the crowd, that they can actually feel that they can withdraw something from it and interact with it. Yeah, and also have like enough time to uh, give somebody or exchange information with everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. And like we discussed in this podcast, uh, not only is it highlighting what we're doing in North America to contribute to what's happening around the world, 
the, the global picture of Wangsa Lungmunchan, but also to bring our domestic North American Wangsa Lung community together to continue to our relations, to continue to grow in support of each other in solidarity and friendship and in brotherhood and sisterhood because there are a lot of women out there practicing Wangsa oh, Lungmunchan. Yeah. I can tell you from my own community, you got some strong women. I see it in Gary Lamb's community. He's got some strong men in all the communities. And I think it's great. I especially want to say this, aside from the event, women, get out there. Practice martial arts. <laughs> practice Wing Chun. You know? That's, uh... I think it's great to see you women out there practicing hard and, you know, showing some of the guys, hey, I'm not a woman. I'm a practitioner. And that's the beauty about Wing Chun. It's not about a gender. It's about who you are as a person. Absolutely. So get out there and do it. And we're going to be celebrating that individuality. We're going to be celebrating that community as part of the Walks on the Moon Chun North America 2017 event staged in Los Angeles, California. So look for us on Facebook. The event is posted as WSLVTNA 2017. We're going to search in the search bar. Mm -hmm. You'll see it there. You'll see a group posting. You'll see an event listing. All of the information relative to being involved with and attending the event. Uh, is posted up there. Any questions, there are email links up there too, or you can just post it within the group or event page. We'll get back to you. We'll sort you out. And uh, it's going to be a great weekend. We're really excited about this. Sounds excellent. I'll definitely post the link in the description of this podcast. Guys, go ahead and check it out and uh, hurry up because uh, like Sifu Dwight said, you just have a few spots left. So don't miss Guys, go ahead and uh, check out Seafood White's um, Facebook page. You're going to find a lot of incredibly valuable videos in the video section. I remember watching one of his uh, videos with my students, and we found a lot of precious value to, um, to his teaching. Um, I'll post a link in the description of, this, um, of the podcast. And um, as always, if, uh, if you're passionate about Wing Chun, but you don't have a Wing Chun school close to you or your schedule doesn't allow you to um, to train, go ahead and check out our online program. It will give you a strong foundation, a strong Wing Chun foundation that you can work on so that when you have uh, enough time to go and train, you kick all the beginner's asses. 